Hello and welcome to the HQ Movie Review Podcast. I'm Josh. I'm Jack. And I'm back. It's Rachel. <laughs> hey. Welcome back to the show. And this week we watched Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Yep, the entire show from the 90s. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. Were there actually like 325 something episodes? Well, I mean, there's like three seasons. There's 325, not 325. <sighs> yeah, and that definitely did not click with me. I thought there was 325 episodes. It was, it was a popular show. It was not that popular, unfortunately. It's no Naruto. All or right. One Piece. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> anyway. One thing I really like about um, Rescue Rangers is that you can see Disney kind of loosening its grips on the brand. And the, like, the sanctity of some of these characters, like, you know, because you have several cartoon characters in massive debt to a gang that's being run by the most burly and poorly aged (laughs) Peter Pan you've ever seen. And, I mean, even just kind of looking back to the last time that they did this kind of content with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, they wouldn't have dared. Oh, no, not at all. No. They were... Everything that was sacred to them was still sacred then. Mickey Mouse had to be on screen exactly as long as Bugs Bunny, and he couldn't. He could be mischievous, but like none of the Disney like main characters were ever evil or like actually involved in the plot. Whereas here, they they just they they were allowed to go hog wild. They were like, all right, no, Peter Pan is the bad guy. He grew up and he got fat and he was a struggling actor for a while, and then he just started making bootleg movies. Like, I don't, there were so many references, I didn't know where they drew the line. Like, (laughs) did did they just get the rights for a bunch of random things? Because a lot of that was not Disney stuff. Well. No. (laughs) They just didn't. A lot of, a lot of the stuff that's not necessarily Disney is still owned by the mega corporation known as Disney. Okay. Um, and so they just kind of had the rights for a lot of it. And I'm sure that they did pay to have the rights for some of the other things. Well, actually, they got around that. And they were the, their lawyers were very happy about this uh, loophole they found. Is that it's anything that they're making fun of that's not theirs is parody. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's specifically why Ugly Sonic was called Ugly Sonic every time he showed up. And they, they added some features to make him look uglier. Because as long as they called him Ugly Sonic... It was a parody of that original Sonic design, so they didn't have to pay for it. You're telling me that they didn't get the rights to Ugly Sonic, a primary character in this movie? <laughs> a, an integral part of the movie and story? No. He's, he is a parody character. And I think that was that's one of the reasons why a lot of, their, a lot of the characters fit so well, is that the characters that they are making fun of are either parody or they're their own characters. And so it blends nicely. Wow. So Disney really made a movie about changing the characters just enough to make illegal recreations of the story by changing some characters just enough to put them. <laughs> yeah. So this Living is definitely going to be banned on YouTube, right? <laughs> or it's demonetized on YouTube? Hmm. Probably. I don't know. Disney is sending snipers to our location as we speak. <laughs> Yeah, that's wild. I never would have thought that they just didn't. Yeah. Listen, they've been fighting for these copyright laws so long, they know the ins and outs. They're, it's basically their laws. Mm. All right, so how do we parody Mickey? <laughs> carefully. Very, very carefully. You'd rather you just don't. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it doesn't matter how careful we are with that one. Disney's still going to sue. Well, I think it would be a fun little fight to have. <laughs> I, I mean... <laughs> Alright, so we call him Michael. It's, it's another. Is there another word for mouse that also starts with him? Michael Muskrat, but it's the exact same art. <laughs> 
It's Michael Mus. It's Michael Muskrat, but he has a mustache, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> now you may be wondering why Michael Muskrat looks very much like a mouse. That's because he is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a family name. <laughs> He's adopted. He wears a red t-shirt and no pants. Everyone's very uncomfortable about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is something actually that I noticed in the movie. Uh, this is this is my second time viewing it, by the way. That's something I noticed this time that bothered me is that like in the opening scene, like the the principal talks to this girl going into the school like, "Hey, you're not Daffy Duck. Put some pants on." It's like, "Hold on, what's what is the difference here?" Because they are both cartoon animals. What's why is Daffy or Don? She says Donald. I failed. I failed yep. already. She says, you're not Donald Duck. Go put some pants on. Why is it Donald Duck is allowed to not have pants? So many, so many characters didn't have pants. Chip and Dale didn't even have right. pants. But then, like, when they reference it later, like, Peter Pan's like, yeah, that's not something to brag about. Like, who is the, there's a, there's clearly a stigma against who can and cannot, like, be forced to wear pants. What is the social cons- contract right. around pantsless cartoon characters? Like, it's definitely only the animal characters, obviously. But then, like, why are some people, why are you allowed to shame some people into wearing pants and then others into, like, no one ever tells them explicitly to put pants on except for Peter Pan who's just being rude. Is it is it like a gender thing? The Cars characters don't even have any clothes because they're just cars. Exactly. These are the real issues. (laughs) (laughs) Also, just while we're on those same kind of issues, why is it that the Lost Boys don't age, but Peter did? Yeah, Yeah. I did did wonder that. It was a funny gag at the time. Like, oh, hey, he thought... He thought the Lost Boy in the bear costume was one was Chipper Dale, but like, yeah, seriously, why did, why did Peter age? <laughs> they cast a regular human cartoon boy for Peter Pan, but they got actual ageless cartoon children for the Lost Boys. That's not fair. <laughs> it really does make you wonder. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things if you look at them just a little bit too deeply. In this, in this, I like to consider it a post-Roger Rabbit society. It's a spiritual successor. I like to think that they existed in the same universe, and this kind of coexisting between the tunes and people is because we had the events of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I mean, it really makes sense. Um, But, like, if you really start to think about it, because now you have CGI characters, and some people are getting surgeries done to become CGI characters, but some people are just born that way yeah that's that, that is the thing like because like cartoons have parents and stuff like they're they're not like creations they're just other kinds of people like chip has a mom who shows up so clearly there's like cartoon lineages if dale had children an awful thought i know <laughs> would they now be be like CGI because he is was he edited edited on a genetic level or how that's, does that work that's the question you almost, you got to wonder cuz it's reversible it's reversible cuz you see when they fix when they fix chips ear um in the in the whole process and that in the thing to kind of go back where they delete it and he just kind of does the cartoon thing where you blow on your thumb and it pops the ear back out and they mentioned to, to Montgomery, <laughs> Monty. Monterey. Monterey. Monterey is his legal name. <laughs> when they mentioned to Michael Jack um, <laughs> uh, that, like, you know, we're going to, we, we know a guy that's going to get it all fixed up. So we can change, they can change it back. You can reverse it at any time is what yeah. it seems. I mean, it seems like you could just erase parts if you don't. Like, they could have just taken an eraser and erased the Dumbo ears off of him. And that would have solved it. And then he could just do the cartoon, like, blow on your thumb thing, and boom, his ears are back. I mean, who's to say that's not what they did? Well, his ears were in bandages when we saw him in the uh, in the credits, so. Oh, I think true. they did go ahead and just get the regular ear surgery. <laughs> 
But I do have a question, though. If Peter Pan invested all, all this time and energy and effort and money into a machine that he could use to re... basically to redraw cartoon characters, why didn't he just use it on himself to make him young again? I think it has... Because it seems like the, the machine only makes, like... You either graft other parts onto yourself, or it just completely changes your animation style. But it doesn't, like, change you into a different version of you or something. I don't know. It's there's It really no feels like you could do anything yeah, with it. Listen, there's no good answer for why he didn't just do that. I mean, I imagine by the time he had the resources to change the CGI machine into a, into a bootleg machine... There was no more, you know, demand for young Peter Pan. So there's no point at that point. But yeah, there's there is no real reason why he couldn't have just turned himself young or something again. I guess. Because I mean, his whole thing was that he didn't like the way he looked. I mean, his whole thing was that society didn't like the way he grew up, and then he stopped getting jobs because no one wants old Peter Pan. The industry turned on him. Right. Which is actually a very dark reflection of what actually happened to the Peter Pan voice actor. Ooh. Mm. Oh, that's that's not funny. So we're not going to talk about it here. If anything, it's a dark reflection on a lot of uh, even child actors when they grow up and, you know, they're not the yeah. kids that you saw them as anymore. And mm -hmm. it affects the way that they get work as an adult. Yeah, this movie had a surprising amount of real world, like, connection to very dark parts of Hollywood and like crime. It's an incredibly dark movie when you peel back the layer of it having all of those quirky little animation references in it. Yeah, like his whole thing was kidnapping people when they were in debt to him and then shipping them off overseas to work against their will. That's that's heavy, Doc. And then it turns out he wasn't even going overseas. Well, he wasn't. Yeah, but still. The whole, like, slavery thing, that was still happening. Yeah. Anyway. You guys want to talk about Chip's real dog in his tiny chipmunk house? <laughs> I felt bad for that dog. That The house is so small. Yeah, like, it, it didn't look like... It didn't look like she had access to the backyard either, which is also sad because his house being so small meant his backyard was huge yeah the the concept the land ownership that smaller cartoons have because they need smaller spaces to live and then suddenly they have this like acreage in their backyard yeah incredible see the trade-off is that like if you have a small house you probably have like a small car too so roads and driving anywhere a nightmare. That's true, because, I mean, they did talk about, you know, that there are chipmunk-sized cars. Yeah. And then Dale just refuses to have any of the chipmunk-sized things, so he's got the the person-sized house and the person-sized car. Because human stuff is better, which is, I think, a thing we just kind of glaze by, but, like, <laughs> human stuff is better than the Toon stuff. That's kind of fucked up. I mean, it's gotta be much harder to manufacture things that are at that scale what is it would it be i feel like it'd be easier there's so much less stuff you have to make like yeah but to make things robust and make them like sturdy and strong but still that tiny would be very difficult Hmm. Not every tune is in the entertainment industry also. So there are a lot of tunes that could just go into manufacturing and focus on making tune sized uh, stuff. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's not that they can't make things that size, but it's just like, how do you make something strong, but without all the materials to make it, you know, dense I mean, and strong? I imagine a lot of their stuff is just thicker. Like, if you ever scaled up a Hot Wheels car, it'd be ridiculously thick because of how small it is and how thick the metal is for the car. Exactly. So I imagine it'd just be the same thing. All their stuff is proportionally thicker. Yeah, but like if you if you take that same logic there and take the Hot Wheels car, how big is the cabin of the Hot Wheels car? Um, it doesn't exist because it's 
solid, basically. I mean, a lot of those cars have interiors. Yeah, but they're very tiny, is what I'm saying. So at that, at that scale, you need so much reinforcement to make it strong yeah, that I'm... you're sacrificing the usability of whatever it is. What about those RC monster trucks that you can just kick the shit out of? True. I don't know I feel like that's chipmunk-sized. I mean, even then, it doesn't have to be chipmunk-sized. They could have, like, a, a dog-sized car, and it'd be a little bit bigger for them, but not, like, super tiny. I mean, that's that's plausible, too. I'm just saying, the smaller you get, the harder it is to make things. I suppose. Well, tangent from this, have you guys seen that movie, like, Downsizing or whatever? Yeah, I was thinking about that a lot, actually, when I was with the scaling of... Yeah. No, I can't say I've ever even heard of it. It's, I haven't actually seen it, so all I know about it is from the trailer. <laughs> but <laughs> good. The premise is that like, there's this technology that allows you to shrink people down to like okay. a frac, like a fraction of the size, and so a lot of people do it because at that size, you don't need as many resources, so your money is essentially multiplied. Oh, I have heard of that movie. Yeah. Like, the crux of the movie was that, like, a husband and wife decide to get the procedure done, and then he does it, and she chickens out the last second. <laughs> I don't know what happened after that, because I didn't care to watch it. But the concept... I found out something, actually, about downsizing recently, um, and I don't understand why the uh, creators decided that this was a plot point. Um, because you know how TikTok, sometimes you find those YouTube... Are those channels that are just small segments of movies and they're like narrating over them to get past like the copyright filters. Yeah. Did you know that in downsizing, when they shrink you down, they have to take all of your teeth out because your teeth won't shrink? Oh, <laughs> why? <laughs> Do they just give you new tiny teeth? What happened? Yeah, once why? you're done getting shrunk down, then they go in and they put little prosthetic teeth in. All of your why? other bones shrink. Why not your teeth? I don't know. That's such a weird, that's such a weird specific thing. I mean, teeth aren't bones, right? They're different. But does your, I mean, your fingernails your shrink? Your fingernails shrink, right? Yeah. Your hair shrinks. Well, actually, they take all. You're you're like fully shaved off. Okay, they take your fingernails too. No. Uh, At least the teeth. That would be painful. I mean, the, the hair makes sense because it's like dead cells. That's fine. The teeth, though, the teeth bothers me. You know what else is sad about this movie? <laughs> Monty's like very real cheese addiction. That oh, yeah. they just like you a they just used his real ass addiction for the show and made a joke out of it. And b this addiction that gets him in debt with the mob. <laughs> like he he has actual he's like lying to friends about it. He's like, no man, I've been dairy free. And then Chip finds cheese in his fridge. Like, oh, that's that's sad. Yeah. Monterey Jack's not okay. I kind of I want to go into more detail on the logistics of the stinky cheese is a drug, but all other cheese is fine. Cuz yeah. that guy's just kind of selling cheese in the shop and then he's like, "Well, you got the stinky cheese." And then you got to go into his like den that's full of CGI mice and cartoon mice that are all indulging on this cheese, which by the way, why wasn't Remy from Ratatouille in the cheese room. Are you sure he wasn't? I'm I mean, pretty sure. I looked for him very heavily. Was he yeah. not Both the one times. that hit the ceiling? No. No. Just, no, that wasn't him? No. There's some other like generic CG rats in there, but Remy was not in there. And okay. I mean, I think the whole thing with Remy is that he's not like obsessed with food. They could have put a meal in there. They could have put a meal in. That would have made a lot more sense. Oh, yeah. I wanted a Ratatouille reference. So bootlegging as a concept. Bootlegging as a concept. Absolutely horrifying. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, they've like... Bastardized and maimed these people. Yeah. Like, they're they're people. They're not fake. They're, they have real lives and... They have families. <laughs> yeah, families and everything. And then you've just taken them and you've given them the Spy Kids treatment. 
Specifically, the Spy Kids 1 treatment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's real dark. Like, because, like, they have the scene at the end of, like, they get through the bootlegging machine, and you see the wall of, like, parts, and that's, that's, like, grotesque. That's parts of people. Those are just body parts hanging on the wall there that they ripped off these tunes and then hung up. Yeah, this was an incredibly dark movie, and you have to kind of wonder, like, of course it was kind of angled towards our, our age demographic, the, the people yeah. who were... The people who probably watched the show. Wa yeah, watching Rex Rescue Rangers, but at the same time, like, going into this movie, I thought that we were doing, like, a Chippendale Rescue Rangers reboot in, like, uh. the sense of Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and not... It's just meta. This, uh, this uh, outside of the story um, trafficking, <laughs> 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 trafficking yeah. film with um, cartoon references across like all age demographics. So someone's kid had to have been in that movie, or someone's kid had to have gone to see this movie and just been like shook, shook to the core. Also, if you told me one of the Rescue Rangers got kidnapped, I would not have correctly guessed which one. <laughs> because I know the world we live in, and I know the internet. <laughs> Did you know there's an actual cult around Gadget? Oh my god. Like an actual real-world cult? What? Yeah. They, like, worship her. It's, it's crazy. That's... Hmm. That's troublesome. It is. It's, it's, very, it's very troubling. They got the um they got the original voice actor for Gadget to come back for this. Yeah. They were also I understand there's so many different layers to kind of peel back on Gadget in this movie cuz on one on in one hand you have that this is she's just the exact same character and they make the joke about it and they comment on it and part of part of you is like, "Well, that's lazy. Everybody else has like these outside lives." But Gadget specifically is just the same exact, the same yeah. exact like, person. She's like, yeah, I guess my character on the show and the character I am in real life are the same person. Like, that's... Mm. But then at the same time, like, one, I feel like a lot of fans would have lost their minds if they had tried to take that capability away and to try and change or find, like, a different way to make Gadget a, a, a character that could still contribute to the story without it being, like... I'm not. I'm not that person that was on the screen doing all of these. This. This. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I get what you're saying. It's the character she was on screen was a good enough character that like if you tried to make it different in any way, it would be a downgrade. Yeah. So. And so it's a it's the double edged sword of um, this this one doesn't get any extra dimension, but also she already had so much to to her. Yeah. Zipper, on the other hand, had zero <laughs> character, so you could just give him in. You could just make him the Allstate guy, and it's fine. <laughs> also, they're married and have like fifty-two hybrid fly mouse children. That, that was, was that weird. was weird. I'm not sure why they did that. That was a choice that they made, and I don't like. Like they hint at it at the beginning of the movie when they're at like the rat party for season three, and he tells her like a joke and she laughs about it. I'm like, oh, that's it's fine. And then it cuts to later, and they're like, oh, yeah, they're married. They have tens of children. It's like, that's, that's just a weird thing to do. They, none of them had to be in a relationship. None of them did, but then how are you going to get Zipper into the story? He's just, I don't know. You got to get them all there somehow. There's a lot of ways I can think of. I feel like the kids right, like, name. yeah, I could. <laughs> all right, yeah, so we just called them, and they were separate. We called them and went and picked them up separately. That's it. <laughs> but he didn't even do anything. He was just there. Yeah, he was there to light the match, and that's it. He was there to light the match. He was there for the gag of having the incredibly deep voice. And then he was there so that all of the rescue rangers were at the end of the movie. Yeah. I'm, I feel like he could have not... Been, they could have just not been married, and it would have changed <laughs> nothing. I don't know. What do you guys feel like? How do you guys feel about the two G two D CG? I think it's gotten a lot better in recent years. 
and it works fairly well in this movie but there are some angles where it just doesn't and you can there's some angles where it just feels like it's cg with the filter which it is essentially i prefer the way that this cg looks this like this pseudo 2d that they've created over what they're doing with the mickey mouse like the fab five style now with the with the reboot where it's the oh, black like the, and light the shorts yeah the shorts doing? but it's all like the vectorized like flat black and white character designs i think that they could have if they really wanted to revamp they could have revamped to this style because it's very similar to the classics but you can see you know a little bit more sharpness in some of the lines and a little mm. bit a little bit has changed on the eyes and if they wanted to do it in that almost like 3d cg way they could have but you can still easily translate that back to a flat 2d image uh i don't know because i i definitely like i do actually like the uh current short style well enough and with this it feels like i i get that why they did it because having done all of having to do all of these like 2d characters as actual 2d animation would have been crazy expensive money and time wise but I feel like this is, it works well. And I think if we push the uh, technology a little bit further, it'd be good, like perfect. But as it is now, I don't think I would like to have like the Fab Five in this style. Yeah, I just, I feel like with the current one, I like it in the shorts. I like the way that it operates in the shorts, but when you translate it over to the park branding, it feels like we've stepped away from the style of animation that oh, made yeah. Disney Disney in a way that I think is affects the brand. No, that that I can completely agree with. I don't like that they've transferred so much of like Mickey and Minnie and Donald Goofy and Daisy and all of them into the short style. I think it works well there, and it probably could have stayed there. Yeah, and like to even to get it deeper into like the, the theme park side of it, there are still parts of Magic Kingdom where if you know where to look, you can see those old like three dimensional models that they used in like window facades and displays of that original style. But then in other parts of the park, like you go over to Hollywood studios and they've got the ride in the new style right. and the ride in the new style does not translate well to the few 3d spaces that they have it. And I feel like yeah. something, something like this could have translated better for that. Oh, in that case, definitely. I'm also coming off of like kingdom hearts where they've had, They've been trying to model Mickey Mouse in 3D since, like, 2002 <laughs> to mixed results. Like, you never really think about how hard it is to, like, make his mouth work in 3D. Like, just mm -hmm. make it work in general. It's either a constant smile or, like, his mouth is just at the bottom of his face. And it, it just, it's real hard to do. So I, I, I fully understand the difficulty. Maybe that's why we didn't see some of the other Fab Five. Like, you could have slid. That might have been. I think that's. They're still holding the rest of. They're still holding the Fab Five very close to their hearts as a, like, brand protection. That's why you didn't see a Goofy or a Donald in oh, this yeah. movie. Because they were like, all right, these are all the properties that we're comfortable making fun of. Yeah. But, like, the mascot, the big guys, they're not going to be here. Chip and Dale were just far enough on the outside. <laughs> you maybe could have gotten Daisy in there without it being a problem. Yeah. But I think that's really pushing the line. Yeah. Because think about it. They're not going to joke about anyone in the Fab Five having, like, a crippling addiction or being in debt. <laughs> <laughs> that Mickey Mouse hand, that's as close as we're going to get. It's a glove that we can't reasonably, like, quantify as Mickey's. It's just a glove. Mickey Mouse also would have had the cheese addiction. He absolutely would have. And that's also the issue. He's <laughs> like, hey, we're just going to give this to all the mice. We do a um, we do a bootleg for Mickey, but we call him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Hang on. He... Okay, go this ahead. This is it. You're going to call him Mitchell Mouso? <laughs> oh, no. Good. I was just thinking, it, the perfect, like... The perfect compromise between having the Disney afternoon and not having Mickey Mouse is Mortimer. They should have brought Mortimer in. <laughs> Do you guys know who Mortimer is? <laughs> Vaguely. They should have given us the Fitchwa fellow. You... Also that. 
Aaron Hansen's wife. That is, that's a, that's a reference. Isn't that her username? I mean, it is. It is, in fact, her username. But no, Mortimer Mouse was um was a character, I think that they introduced for like, the House of Mouse, and he was just like Mickey's romantic rival. Like he was always trying to ask Minnie out on dates, except I think he was a rat. <laughs> he just called himself Mortimer Mouse. Good. We should have gotten Charles Entertainment Cheese up in this. <laughs> God, he would definitely have the cheese addiction. He's in there trying to spin like tokens. We should have had like a um like a Spider-Verse style. That's what they'll do as the sequel to this, is they'll have like a Spider-Verse, but it's all of the Mickeys. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, there was actually a Spider-Verse reference in this movie. Really? Yeah, one of the pieces of graffiti in the background was Miles' No Expectations piece. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, I meant to pause on it, but I, I completely forgot as we passed it. Uh. It was like, it was back in Main Street. Which, speaking of which, Main Street's just like Main Street USA, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just Main Street from Disney World. It didn't really hit me the first time, but then I saw it again, and the music was playing, and I was like, wait a second. This <laughs> looks very familiar. I've been there. <laughs> I think that the voice casting for this, kind of going back, because Spider-Verse got me on John Mulaney, the voice <laughs> casting for this was very good. Yeah. But at the same time... John Mulaney and Annie Samberg were both just playing their normal comedy selves. Yeah. And so there were a couple of times where it would just hit and I'd be like, he said this in Brooklyn Nine-Nine or this is just a John Mulaney stand-up. Yeah. yeah. No, there's, I think that's the trade-off because they, there wasn't much voicing they could do before it sounded like a weird other cartoon voice. And that's, that's too many hats. That's a hat and a hat. Like they've already... They gave a reference to the original cartoon squeaky voices, and they're like, all right, after that, it's just normal talking for yeah. 99% of the movie. Yeah. My my only complaint with the voice acting was probably John Mulaney sounded flat the entire movie, but that's just how he talks. Yeah, that's just, that's just how John Mulaney talks. Plus, it's Chip's character. He's supposed to be the straight man. Not the straight man. Every single time they say it, I'm like, "Oh, we're saying that we're playing we're playing Dale Gay." That's how. That's what this is doing. We're that's, going- that's what the shirt was really about this whole time. It's not a Hawaii Five-O reference. It really is. You got you got the straight man, and then you got the man in the Hawaiian shirt, and I know what that means. I can read between those lines. J.K. Simmons though in everything that he does everything. absolutely oh, yeah. fantastic um sorry i thought you were gonna mention the mustache thing <laughs> <laughs> the man has such strong mustache energy he just brings it into every role doesn't matter what it is there's i think only one role i can think of where he did not have a mustache and that's whiplash yeah that is whiplash <laughs> but that's and, just him I've, and you know i feel like he has a mustache in real life too he just he just is he is like quintessentially the mustache-having person. Yeah, you, it's it's weird when he doesn't. Whiplash as a movie, as someone who did band and was surrounded by like the music education side of things for so long, was the most stress-inducing film I have ever watched. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a bit sad that we watched that one before we started the podcast because that's. Mm. Oh yeah. I would watch good. it again. <laughs> I'd need to have some tea on hand, just to, something co- calming and soothing to drink while watching it. It is, it is a very stressful movie. We're entering the Miles Teller renaissance, so I mean, it's time to revisit some of his roles. Yeah, I guess so. Fan- four stick. No! <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I don't know. Um, so... I saw Fan Four Stick in theaters, and it was it wasn't like a full theater. Uh, there were a couple of other people. I do want to give that disclaimer because I'm not typically a bad person in a movie theater. Um, we were all the way in the back row, and this movie had been so bad, uh, like, and to the point that like we were like commenting on it loud enough that an usher had to come up and be like, "Hey, I need you to like." Ooh. 
I need you to quiet down a little bit. And we're like, okay, okay, okay. And then it gets to the end where like one of them is like, oh, I think it's fantastic. And Miles Teller goes, say that again. And (laughs) I just start booing. (laughs) (laughs) I just fully start booing. And then when he says it again, the fantastic, the rest of the theater starts booing. (laughs) (laughs) Like I still, I still have friends that I had gone to go see it with that bring up that we booed in this theater at this movie. (laughs) It was that bad. Good. It deserved it. I did think of one other J.K. Simmons role where he doesn't have a mustache. Mm-hmm. And fittingly, it is the most out there of the roles. It's the yellow M&M. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say yellow M&M. That's right. And it probably is only because they couldn't justify putting a mustache on an M&M. That is a bold-faced lie. They have put so much like other shit on these M&Ms. <laughs> Do you remember when, like, they were very much trying to make the green M&M sexy? Ugh. That was so weird. Yeah. Like, that was just, that was a whole era of M&M's advertising. Yes, yes, it was. It was very weird. Like, this is a food. <laughs> I'd like to talk about the era of M&M's advertising where like they were adding this was when pretzel m&ms happened Uh, and then after that the caramel (laughs) Mm m&ms but they had a anthropomorphized pretzel yeah talking to the m&ms and like giving them like a resume and then they surgically insert this pretzel into the orange m&m who's now the face of pretzel (laughs) m&ms yeah see here's my take on that is that surgically is probably how they did it the commercial very much made it sound like they were just going to shove him up the guy's asshole. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, it just, it had the, it had the feel of like, all right, so we're supposed to be doing this surgically, but we didn't have any gloves. So we're just going to, I'm just going to need you to bend over. We're going to shove this guy in. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have gloves. <laughs> That's just the vibe that the commercial gave, okay? No, you're 100% right. Hey, we didn't have time to, like, book a fancy hospital appointment. (laughs) We're going to do this in one of the offices that nobody's using. (laughs) Wow. So, there's a couple hints in here that the chief is not just, like, a knockoff Gumby character, but literally an actually bootlegged character. Okay. Like... At one point, he calls himself a Smurf, and maybe that's just, like, a joke about how he's blue. But there was a Smurf hat in, like, the parts, like, wall. Yeah. So it's possible that they took, like, a Smurf and bootlegged him into a Gumby, and that's how we got Chief Putty. You know, you might be on to something. Right? But he was already the police chief when Sweet Pete as he's called, was brought the idea of being, I think that's hilarious too. Let's just quick sidebar (laughs) that, that, that Peter Pan came to him and was like, I want you to be my like corrupt cop. And he's like, I'm the police chief. Isn't that a little bit like cliche? Isn't that a bit obvious? And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they're just laughing about this in the middle of their like hostage situation. That's true. Um, but yeah, he would have needed to have been bootlegged or even just generally reworked. Mm. It didn't necessarily need to be a bootleg as much as just going and being CGI surgically turned into a Gumby. Um, Cause was he the only well original character? I mean, there were, there were a ton, there were tons of background characters who were OCs. Like, most of the kids in the school were original characters that were just, like, made to look like a, sp- a specific style. I mean, like, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm talking about, like, actual Like, in the characters. main cast? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, not counting, you know, humans. Yeah, not counting humans or... Yes, well, humans. The original characters. <laughs> <laughs> they. It, this is a movie. They're all characters. <laughs> um, I guess, technically, Seth Rogen's character is not a specific dwarf. His, his main, the character he mainly plays. Oh, he's not yeah, a specific, you're right. He's just like a generic 
like the, I mean, he looked, the Hobbit dwarf. Yeah, he looked like just one of the dwarves from Hobbit. Yeah. The Hobbit. He was one of the dwarves from that big battle at the end. <laughs> <laughs> the polar bear also um, is another one of those unlicensed. Yeah, it's uh, a parody character that we... Yeah. They don't even really make the joke about the parody because it's probably too strong to fight. Yeah. But that's it's definitely the Coca-Cola bear. Oh, absolutely. He's not explicitly the Coca-Cola bear, but he is the Coca-Cola bear. Yeah. That's also why they said, like, Jinx, you owe me a non-brand specific cola. <laughs> yeah. They clearly did not get the rights to Coke for this. Which is wild, because Coke does have, the like, the partnerships at the parks, and... Yeah. Coca-Cola is canonically a part of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I'm never, I'm never going to be over that. <laughs> Gotta crack open my round, vaguely bomb-shaped Coke bottle. Yeah, that's also weird, right? <laughs> I like, hate that. Coca-Cola and Dasani are canonical Star Wars brands, and their thought was, all right, we want to sell a drink, but we want to shape it like an explosive. Like, they explicitly said that it was supposed to look like the thermal detonator. Right? Yeah. That's so weird. Like, who, who does... You don't go somewhere and you're like, I want to sell a drink, but I want to make it look like a bomb as much as possible. <laughs> Fun branding, yay. I always thought that um, Seth Rogen's primary character in this movie was more of like like a game NPC. That, also that was the vibe that I kind of got from him. Um, yeah. But I did love... I loved two things about um, the self-awareness air quotes of the Seth Rogen character um, was the just straight up like flat Seth Rogen laugh that he puts in at one point followed by later in the movie when they're at the convention which I think was a very great place to kind of have like the setting because you can squeeze in so many different references oh yeah Um, but when he's on the ground and then the Seth Rogen Lion King Pumbaa comes up and has like a line and then does the laugh and then the um the like grasshopper from yeah, Mantis from yeah, Kung Fu Panda Kung Fu Panda and then the blob the... from Monsters vs. Aliens. Yeah. Which I forgot was Seth Rogen until he yeah. showed up again. <laughs> until he was there. And they all and they all do the Seth Rogen laugh. It's great. I don't know why they gave him this this character homage specifically, but it worked. <laughs> this little feature. Like, at no point did... I guess John Mulaney hasn't really been in that many, like, voice acting roles, has he? The only other one that I can really pull in immediately is Spider-Pig. Yeah, that's that's really it. I do have to say it's Spider-Ham. Sorry. Spider-Pig okay. is the... um is the That's the Simpsons. Simpsons. Is the Simpsons Simpson spider that is legally different from the Spider-Man franchise. <laughs> yeah. It's another bootleg another, character. <laughs> the bootleg cinematic universe. <laughs> Good. Um, I feel like we need to talk about Paul Rudd just yeah, being in the really movie. Did. Why? Why? Why was he there? He was there, and they treated him like a character that they didn't own. That was the weird thing. <laughs> like, we see the Ant Man like Funko Pop figure in the foreground, but in the shot where he's there, like in the movie, he has his name on boards next to him but they specifically cover it up so you never see his first and last name next to each other. So one board just says Rudd, and the other one just says Paul. It's like, why? And then you talk about how they wanted him to be Ant-Man, but they never say Ant-Man. I almost feel like they're trying to avoid the idea that the MCU exists in in, in the Chip and Dale Toonverse. <laughs> which is really, like... Of all the things. Yeah, because they had a Star Wars reference yeah. in there, too. And, like, I guess that you could argue that you could have put in some of the, like, animated Marvel characters. Well, they did. Yeah. Tigra was from the, like, a really old Avengers cartoon. Yeah. Hmm. I just, I don't understand why they had Paul Rudd there. Like, he didn't add anything. He, didn't he was just there. <laughs> Look, sometimes it's nice just to have Paul Rudd around, you know? I think that Paul Rudd is the exact um, person that you use when you want to just have, have a little guy in there. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just have a little guy there. It's like, you just, just, just put it in. Yeah. Like, who else were they going to get for it? Robert Downey Jr. is not going to do it. 
Chris Pratt refuses to get vaccinated, theoretically, <laughs> allegedly. And so they can't put him in a theater. They just got to put him in the voice recording studio. Yeah. Everyone else is busy. I feel like Paul Rudd is like, you want me to come do this for funsies? Yeah. Of course. I'll be there at nine. Like you... Paul Rudd probably did this for free. Yeah. <laughs> like Paul Rudd was just having a good time. You made it sound like the director was just like, Bob Ross in it, just like, I put a little happy little <laughs> yeah. Paul Rudd in there. Just, just put him in there. Just a little sprinkle. <laughs> That's all you need. So, the Paw Patrol bit some dude's balls off, right? What? That whole sequence, absolutely unhinged. You kick off with, when Peppa Pig went missing, and immediately... <laughs> I'm locked in. Like, Peppa Pig's involved now? Hell yeah. Tell me more. We rated... Peppa Pig's enslaved to the mob? Yeah. What was she in debt for? But anyway... We rated... We rated the Nick Jr. Studios. And the tunes fought back. (laughs) The tunes fought back. This woman is delivering these lines dead serious. There is no joke in here. And she's like, yeah, Paul Patrol a uh, bit like Detective Henderson. The doctors say he'll never have kids. I'm like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> there are only a couple things you can bite to do that to someone. I find it also incredibly funny because if you look at the additional layer, I like to think that it was specifically Chase, which is the cop dog. It was dog. absolutely the cop dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, just while we're on the subject of... Uh, cops in this movie (laughs) in the beginning when chip goes i thought that the police were supposed to protect and serve and you just gotta be like wow disney's just throwing that right in there (laughs) this movie is for millennials they knew did we talk about the valley the uncanny valley we did not we should it's very it's good it's very good that was hilarious. My favorite part of the Uncanny Valley is the um, the one person that's walking it's and just... runs into the fire hydrant and just keeps walking directly into the yeah. fire hydrant because it implies that the Uncanny Valley animations also sometimes don't have enough sentience <laughs> to solve that, like, go yeah. around it. It's also for really poor AI. It's funny because, like, as he's walking into the fire hydrant, you can hear, like, a little error noise going off, like... <laughs> On some level, he's aware that this is not correct. He just can't solve it. He's like a Bethesda character. <laughs> the cats from Cats 2019. Yeah. Mm, I thought we were never yeah. going to mention that I just that really again. like how often we can expose Josh to cats. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. I think that they should have given us the CGI cats um, from the butthole cut. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's their parody. That's why that's what makes it different. Yeah. These are different cats because this one you can clearly see the cat's anus. <laughs> see the problem is no one working on this movie wanted to wanted to add the cat's anus. They left that one for that was like, alright, this is gonna be the last thing we do if we have time. And like the last week they were working on it, like, oh man, we're out of time. That's that's too bad. What else do we have on um the Uncanny Valley. Uh, I had, had a couple of short. On, on, the Uncanny, on the Uncanny Valley specifically, I don't think I had much else. I did like the very on-the-nose wrong side sign on the on the roller tracks. That was oh, nice. Yeah. That was a good touch. Um, uh, there wasn't really much that we did in the Uncanny Valley besides those couple of gags. I like that it's, it's a reference to the valley, like just a place in California. But I don't live in California, so I can't adequately explain that joke. I like that that's where we introduce the the game dwarf character that can't, like, turn his eyes in any... The Polar Express eyes? The Polar yeah. Express eyes. That's a, that's a great joke. <laughs> like, I love the Polar Express, but man... The eyes. Man, those eyes. They get around it by turning the head, which they don't do for him, but that's fine. <laughs> My eyes, looking right at your eyes. Not looking at all. Not even close. <laughs> it's 
This movie has so many solid jokes. Like, it's just, it's a very well-written movie. It's a really good comedy. Yeah. I feel like that's such a good thing about, like, these kinds of, like, heavily, um, heavily referenced movies that have all of this kind of, the, the self-awareness and then also just the freedom to throw as many other references in it as they want. Like, you had the Terminator reference, too, at one point when the detective was coming under the door. Yeah. And they were playing the music, like, slightly different. Um, <laughs> it was just but close it was, enough that it made sense. Yeah, it was very clearly the, the Terminator 2 coming up out of the floor. Um, it's just that there is so much, like, material, and they can make fun of themselves, and they can make fun of other things, like Ugly Sonic's human teeth. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, a good, it's a good time. It's it's this and like ninety percent of the things that Ryan Reynolds does yeah. that they give him creative freedom on. <laughs> if you give that man a microphone, he will make a joke about Green Lantern. <laughs> oh, that is very true. Hmm. Speaking of Ryan Reynolds, mm-hmm. specifically like his Deadpool character, I feel like uh, Bjornson the Chef. Would absolutely say fuck. He would use the one fuck if this was like, if, if they had the fuck to use, you know? If they had the fuck to use. <laughs> I think that Disney's a coward for not making this PG-13 and putting the one fuck in there. Yeah. Do you know how absolutely furious some mom would have been? <laughs> <laughs> if, this, if this Muppet chef said fuck. <laughs> this Muppet chef that's selling drug cheese in his basement <laughs> said fuck. Like, that's the yeah. thing. That's the line. Yeah, no, I could... It's like, yeah, no, you guys are fucking cops. That's it. That's exactly where he would say it. Mm-hmm. That or the, the free samples line. It would oh, be in yeah. there somewhere. Uh, yeah. This guy has the range. He could do it. That was Will Arnett. Of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> The sequence too when they ask for the stinky cheese and you just see his eyebrow go oh, down oh, into the, the angry oh, that was so the weird animation for that because yeah, he's he's a muppet it's a puppet eyebrow it's great i'm glad that we had one, at least one muppet in there after making the reference about muppet fights yeah oh yeah i'd also like to just briefly before we wrap this up i'd love to talk about the um sock puppet I was just about to to say. Because that was just out of pocket. Out of, (laughs) like, (laughs) I had to stop. I had to stop and rewind and watch it again the first time because some of the people were not looking. And I was like, you need to see this. Because it's just, it's, he it's just comes just the on sock, the screen. It's a literal sock puppet. Whoever decided that that was a good point for this movie needs a raise. Like, yeah. they should get to direct the next one. Like, I just want to, I want to think about the logistics of this character that exists in this world. You can't look at the bottom of them. <laughs> it's like, it's like, like a, it has like a psychic field that stops you from looking down whenever you see them. <laughs> And trying to is considered rude. Good. Can they jump? They can, but only if they're standing behind something. And when they do, it's <laughs> they just ragdoll. What kind of accommodations do you think that the sock puppet cop had to have in order to pass like the police exam? Because there's a physical aspect to that. <laughs> they had to put like a waist high wall in front of the part where they ran. <laughs> <laughs> that's the new. That's that's Zootopia too. I want to hear. I want to hear about the sock puppet story about becoming a police officer. <laughs> I think the, the last thing I want to talk about was the the Disney afternoon, like just in general. Because I know I watched a lot of... I didn't watch all of the Disney Afternoon shows, but I watched a lot of it. Yeah, I did too. Mitchell, what was your experience with the Disney Afternoon? I didn't watch a lot of Disney Afternoon. Um, I recognize a lot of the content in like the freeze frames of it. Um, But it was either just not something that I was home during or... um, I was watching something else. Like A lot of the like early... 
I wasn't allowed to watch some a lot of like early cartoons if they were deemed violent in any way, shape, or form. Huh. I never got to watch the Power Rangers. I never got to watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh. Um, Pokemon was thin fucking ice. <laughs> Same here. Um, so like a lot of a lot of like nostalgic animation I had to come into later in life. Okay. Yeah, I also. I could watch Ninja Turtles, but I couldn't watch Power Rangers. Weird. It's like the same exact level of violence. Ah, but one has people and one has cartoons. I mean, maybe, but also, I don't think the Ninja Turtles ever punched someone so hard they exploded. Did you say Ninja Turtles? No. <laughs> well, you did now. <laughs> Turtles. <laughs> um... Yeah, but it was... So my mom was a teacher, and so she would see kids on the playground, like, playing Power Rangers and, like, hitting each other. And mm-hmm. so she was like, absolutely not. You're going to, like, emulate the violence. Well, that's unfortunate. Which does actually bring me to... Speaking of emulating violence, I was still allowed to watch Star Wars. Um, uh. <laughs> I was still allowed to watch Star Wars, and I was a Jedi for Halloween one year when I was very young. Mm-hmm. And we were trick-or-treating in my grandmother's neighborhood. And there was this one house that really went all out. Like there was like a million decorations on the porch. There was a million decorations like leading up to it, like fog machines everywhere. Um, and there, and but like the candy was just like in a bowl at the door. And so I took the candy and I saw, and like I had the lightsaber and I'd been like fighting some of the decorations like going in. Um, but so I saw this one, de- <laughs> I saw this one decoration and I went to like stab it. And it doubled over in pain. <laughs> oh, no. And I ran. I was like, we need to leave. We need to go right now. Like, Oh, no. He had been standing totally still up to that point. Like, he was waiting to scare somebody. So it's a little bit, not to victim blame, but it's a little bit his fault. <laughs> I just got to him first. I mean, I've, I've done that. I've been the scarecrow before. <laughs> Never been stabbed, so hey. And this was like, this was the early 2000s. So those were the plastic lightsabers that like wouldn't break for anything. Oh yeah. yeah. I still have, I still have two of those. Yeah. No, I have, I had, I had a lot of experience with the Disney afternoon. I watched almost all those shows. Like there's a scene, there's a screen at the end of this movie where they're just showing like a fake ad for a Disney afternoon, uh, like fighting game, which I mean, yes, probably is also a reference to like the multiverses and brawl stars (laughs) but like i just i looked at that and i'm like oh man this is nostalgia that's that's my childhood right there i recognize almost all of these characters i didn't watch uh, the gummy bear show but i did watch ducktales and goof troop and um tailspin and like I watched like all these shows except for there were like three characters I didn't recognize a dog a cat and like a lady and lady was dressed kind of like Gargamel so I mean maybe she was like a Smurfs thing or something I don't know Mm -hmm. but yeah this movie big time nostalgia where's Max Goof bring him back (laughs) (laughs) a 2020 announcement said that he will be making character appearances again at the Alawani Resort in Hawaii so that's where you can go find him. Yeah. I think actually the last time we were in the park we saw him. He was like it was like for it was specifically for like the 50th anniversary. But he was standing at like the train station next oh. to Goofy and I was like, "Oh, hey, it's he's alive." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 50th anniversary. I think they brought out a lot of the like under the like radar characters that they still had like the stuff where I saw Chicken Little at Magic Kingdom. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was wild. Also the Duck from Chicken Little. (laughs) I don't remember what her name was. I love the hesitation. (laughs) Like, I'm not sure what this is. Was she a duck? I thought she was like a goose. She might have been a goose. I don't know. She the ugly duckling? She had a. She might have. Yes, she was the ugly duckling. I didn't see Chicken Little. I don't know. You didn't see Chicken Little? No, I didn't. We're putting it on the list. Absolutely. Oh my god. I just know he was my least favorite summon in Kingdom Hearts 2. Chicken Little is a cinematic masterpiece of its own kind. Yeah, see, I know I know very little about it. it I know that, like, it's, 
the sky is falling, but it's actually aliens. Yep. Mm-hmm. And also, the main character reminds me of Griffin McElroy, and that's <laughs> that's really it. Uh, he is Chicken Little, Chicken Little hard CGI reboot <laughs> with the McElroys. <laughs> actually, you know, I'm I'm on board. Let's, let's make this happen. Can we contact them? Okay. Everyone tune in next week for our new podcast, The McElroys Will Voice Chicken Little. (laughs) (laughs) Until then, check us out on on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. Yep. Anyway. You forgot how the rest of the outro goes, (laughs) didn't you? Yep. (laughs) I'm Josh. I'm Jack. I'm Rachel. Good night, everybody. Close enough. (laughs) I am into nuts. (laughs) Good, good. I love it. (laughs) 